those of you who haven't uh, been here since September, uh, our guest speaker this morning is a man that God had sovereignly put uh, into my life. I heard a quote off a movie one time that said, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. And uh, I, don't, I don't know if that really... <laughs> That's right. Uh, but throughout my life, the Lord has been so good in assigning men, fathers, counselors, advisors, mentors, and teachers. And at the end of 2008, coming into 2009, uh, the Lord brought Dennis Peacock into my life. Very, very quick story. I, I just happened to be at the right place at the right time. There was a young man that was supposed to take him to the airport and that young man was late. So young men, don't be late for your assignment. Or you may miss your destiny. And you... You, you may thrust another man into his destiny. And I just happened to be there and somebody came out when the staff member said, hey, can you take Dennis? Yes, I can. Yes, I can. So we had a 20 minute drive to the Colorado Springs airport and I asked him every question I possibly could. I drove, I tried to hit every red light. I went as slow as possible. And he, he was walking out the door. I was still asking him questions. As he, I, just, I just tried to just pull everything I could. Just, just a few months later, he was uh, speaking at a conference that Apostle Dutch was hosting there uh, <clears throat> in the beginning months of 2009. The Lord brought our paths together again. And from there, he, he has pursued my heart and he has pursued my life. And uh, the Lord has sovereignly just joined us together in a very precious and a very dear father-son relationship. Uh, for some of you, this may come as new news, and for some of you who were here with us in September, and especially if you joined us with the leaders meeting, uh, Dennis and Jan oversee a network of churches called KMI, which stands for Kingdom Ministries International. And uh, when Apostle Dutch transitioned the leadership of Freedom Church uh, to my care and to Christie's care, uh, we were not formally and officially connected with a network of churches. We had a, a loose relationship with a network called FMCI that's led by a, a great man, a man that Dennis knows very well. But the formal relationship and the formal membership in that network is not something that was solidified. And as I have been getting to know Apostle Dennis Peacock through numerous venues, I just felt in my heart to pursue a little bit of a better understanding what KMI was. And so I went to the website, began reading, uh, and essentially the network reflects the man. The network reflects the heart of this man. And one of the things that really spoke to me was four years ago, I, I, Dennis invited me to come to a meeting in Dallas with he and some associates um, ar around a initiative called the Statesman Project that he is working on. And he's invited me to help serve in that initiative. I sat in this room, it was, it was held in a house and there were about 40 men in this room. And as they all went around the room introducing themselves, what I heard over and over again was, I have known Dennis and I've walked with him for 30 years. I have known Dennis and I've walked with him for 35 years. I have known Dennis and I have walked with him for 40 years. Every person around the room I was the youngest guy in the room and I was also the guy who had known Dennis the least, but every person in that room had been walking with this man in some type of covenant relationship for about 40 years. And that spoke volumes to me. You know, in, in ministry, the ability and in life, the ability to have steadfastness in relationship 
because when there's proximity, there will be friction. There will be disappointments, but the ability to walk together over the long haul, I I said to myself, I want that in my life. I want those kind of relationships 40 years from now where I'm standing in a room and there are people saying, I've walked with Jay Duncan. I think that does something for a house. I think that builds a fabric of, of trust and longevity and influence and covenant into the very fibers of a people and in a house. And that's the kind of house that I want Antioch to be for generation to generation to generation to generation. And so my heart just became joined to him. And I, as I shared this with the leaders months ago, I believe it is in the best interest of Antioch Church for us to join this network of churches. Already I've been experiencing the benefits and the blessings of being connected personally and also from the strategic and the leadership vantage point of leading the church, of being connected to a network of churches and being connected to a leader who can help speak in on the leadership level uh, to the vision, the direction, and even just the management of relationships within the church. If anything ever happens to me, I want to know that this house is safe and that this house is protected and that there are wise and mature leaders who are building relationship with the house who can help walk the house forward in the event that anything ever happens to Christy or me. And so with that being said, there's many things I can say about Apostle Dennis. What I will say is, He has a heart for the kingdom. He has a message of the kingdom. And I believe he has something for us today that is very timely. In fact, before I bring him up, I wanna very quickly pray. There's a word that came forth last night that we ought to pray this morning against distraction. And you know, this week has been a week of distraction for me in many ways. This morning before service, there were some mishaps that were going on. And I don't think that every mishap is from the enemy. But what I do think is if we give mishaps improper attention, the enemy can then leverage those. You understand what I'm saying this morning? And so what we're gonna do is I'm just gonna just, I'm gonna pray. We're gonna build a wall around this this time together because there's something very important that is not only to be spoken, but to be released and imparted. And there's a difference. We can speak things without imparting things. Today, there is gonna be some things that are imparted into the spirit of our region, but also into the very spirit and the foundation and the DNA of this body. And I, and I wanna implore you this morning, let's posture and position our hearts in a place of readiness and expectation to receive. So in the name of Jesus, we thank you this morning, Father, for the gift that you have given to us and the man and woman of Dennis and Jan Peacock. Father, we honor their 70 plus years of life on the earth. We honor their 40 plus years of marriage together. And we honor their 40 plus years of ministry, of apostolic ministry, of fathering leaders, of helping the church and the kingdom of God be strong globally. Lord, this day in our spirits, we stand at attention and we honor 40 years of bringing your kingdom to the earth on very strategic levels. 
Father, this day we take authority over every distraction. We speak to our minds and we say, be at attention. We speak to our soul and we say, be at attention. We speak to our mind and our emotions and we say, come into alignment with our spirit. Give our spirits great ability to hear. Give our spirits great ability to perceive and to understand and to receive the impartation that you have for this house corporately and for each of us individually in the authority of Jesus' name. Amen. Apostle Dennis and Jan, if you would come this morning, God bless you. Well, that was a very, very encouraging word. Thank you. Because really what he's seeing is the thing that God has always put really deep in our hearts. That is that they know we're Christians by the love we have for one another. You don't have love for one another if you're just coming to a meeting. You don't have love for, for one another if you, you don't really get in the trenches and you don't really do things together, you don't work together, you don't have a community and a family life. And that is how they, they know that we're Christians. And all the evangelism things tell us that the deep conversions and the lasting conversions are people that are brought into Christ's family. Not people that have intellectually given an assent, but people that are brought into us as a family. And I had originally intended to get up and speak off of the Super Bowl, but it's equally, it's equally as significant as far as teamwork. You know, everybody has a different place on the team. And the most important thing is to find out what your place is. Not the one you want, but the one God has given you. And then you do that one right. And I'll, I'll, I, I'm not as in, into football as my husband, who definitely knows it all. But I do know who Peyton Manning is. <laughs> I do not know who the special team is. I know this is called special team and there's a kicker on that. And there could be a point in this game where that kicker is more important than Peyton Manning. Even though he does very little, he doesn't get roughed up very much, he, you know. He's a guy that uh, would look like he could never be a professional. All he has to do is kick that ball right, right? So everybody has a place on the team and it's really important that we find out that place and we play on that because that's how we get to be a world-class team. Amen. Thanks, John. <clears throat> now I'm a, yeah. This is God speaking. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I'm going to have a little bit of fun before I get serious. Uh, underwater basket weaving? <laughs> underwater basket weaving? <laughs> that's great. That's, that's good. Hallelujah. Let me tell you now and get confessions over with uh, many years ago uh, 
the older you get, the more you're accused of being here when the Indian Wars were still going on. But many years ago, uh, my son was an Oakland Raiders fan. Now, this was, this was before Oakland was quite who Oakland is now. Um, this back in the late 60s, and the, or early, no, actually, yeah, the late 60s, early 70s. Anyway, watching an Oakland Raiders championship football game, I found myself prophesying and praying in tongues. And I felt the Holy Spirit say, Dennis, I think you may be carrying all this a little too far. <laughs> You do that. So, Jade, I'm looking forward to the Super Bowl party here tonight. And I'm going to be watching to see who here is afflicted. <laughs> who here is afflicted with maybe. Now, it's, this is still in dispute. Okay, so I, I'm open to the possibility that God might permit you to prophesy and pray in tongues. However... I don't think we want to apply the Old Testament remedy if your team does not win. I mean, we're, we're going to quote the word beyond the law and all that kind of stuff, but it should be a lot of fun and a lot of nonsense. Um, one real quick thing. I'm one of the world's worst marketers. Um, I do a, bo a thing called the bottom line. Does anybody in here get the bottom line? You do? Okay. Uh, it's a kind of a social analysis uh, that I do every month. Uh, this one is called Facing What's Really There. And if you want to sign, it's free. If you want to sign up for it, uh, you can sign up back there. We also have a conference. Jade was uh, self-effacing there. Jade is uh, doing something very significant in this Statesman Project, which is really trying to prepare the U.S. for some serious adjustment uh, due to uh, economic issues, uh, which some of you are aware. And uh, this is a picture of an ice cube. Or ice cube, yeah, hello. Uh, it, the basket weaving underwater, it knocked me off my game, Dan. I mean, I'm still resonating with, okay. But it's a picture of an iceberg. And how many of you know an iceberg, one-eighth of its mass is showing? How many of you besides me have ever encountered a situation in your life which proved to be an iceberg? What you saw was just barely the tip of what was there. But uh, we're doing a conference in Dallas in uh, early April, April 3 to 5, and uh, you might, might be interested in that, and that's back there. You have a book here called Winning the Battle for the Minds of Men, which is really the whole question of prophetically engaging culture and what is uh, required on many levels. I wrote this book many years ago, but it still continues to go around the world. And this book is on the current economic crisis which I can assure you is in fact an iceberg. Uh, I don't know how many economist type people there are in here, but I'll just say the stock market is what it is because interest rates have pushed everything there because it doesn't work anywhere else. 
And there's a ton behind what I just said. So that those things are back there. Lord, help us. Um, the Irish side, I'm a European mongrel. There's other European mongrels in here. I'm Irish, English, German, and French, which is an interesting combination. And the Irish side of me is a side that is full of nonsense, <clears throat> which is why, you know, people have accused me over the years of saying, you know, when you get teaching, it's almost like let the beatings begin. Uh, so... <laughs> Not because I'm that hard, but because we'll get heavy and I promise you it'll get thick in here before we're done, which is why I like to play around a little bit and uh, try and get you ready to get serious. How many of you know sometimes you got to, well, any athletes in here, if you're going to warm up, right? So I'm trying to warm you up, which should make you suspicious. <laughs> Okay, so, Lord help us. How many were here last night? Let me see your hands, good chunk. Uh, I wanna hear two or three things of what you heard last night. Just speak out loud. What did you hear last night? Say again loud. Jesus lives inside you. That's the main event. Anybody else want to elaborate on that? What did? He's transforming you. Excellent. How many of you realize you need to be transformed? If your neighbor did not raise their hand, turn to them and say, you need to be transformed. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Anybody else? What did you hear? Some of you, I talked to a couple of you today were profoundly big ears. Yes, back there, my sister. Good. The Antioch church of the 21st century will not look like Antioch in the first century because prophetically God embeds, everybody say embeds, in every generation his work for that generation, all of which is supposed to be building across time in history. Okay. Oh, back there, yes, my brother. Excellent. We said last night that the 20th century was about repositioning properly, more properly positioning the role of the Holy Spirit in the life of individuals and in the church. Some of you know enough about church history to understand why we would say that. Go back to Kansas in a black church, 1906. Then you go to Azusa Street and you see this great move of the Holy Spirit, which in the last 20, 30 years has brought massive conversion all over the world, especially in the so-called third world churches of massive evangelism in the power of the Holy Spirit. And uh, KMI, by the way, is deeply involved in third world churches in Africa and Asia and uh, Central South America. That's part of who we are. And what we're saying is in the same way 
that the 20th century began early on with uh, the, the seeds of the Holy Spirit being planted. That same phenomenon is taking place right now everywhere around the social dimension and responsibility of the church. And I'm going to talk about that this morning a little bit more. Anyone else here last night? Yes, sister. Now, do you believe that? I do believe you. Okay. Okay. How many of you know that you, you are an unknown quantity? You are an unwrapped package. And you cannot unwrap yourself. Because you did not create yourself. Madonna notwithstanding. All this nonsense of I'm recreating myself. You may be recreating the veneer. But the inside is the same package. Okay, Only Jesus Christ. Who is the one who created you. Can unwrap you. And unload you and properly position who you are because he alone knows your ultimate identity, okay? I remember at my moment of complete capitulation and surrender, I said to the Lord, I'm not big enough, tough enough, or smart enough to manage my life. Everyone that's ever came to Christ at some point realizes that none of us can manage our lives no matter who we are or whatever assets we think we have. It's insufficient, woefully insufficient. Can I get a witness? Okay. Anybody else in here come to the conclusion I came to, I don't got enough to fix myself? Okay. So those of you that are part of this house, and I pray the majority, most of you, and if you're not, maybe you should look hard at, are you supposed to be here? By the way, we believe the Bible emphatically teaches that the Holy Spirit baptizes, 1 Corinthians 12, 18. The Holy Spirit places into the church, into specific relationships where you belong. If you're here because you like Jade's preaching, that's great. If you're here because a friend of yours is here, that's great. But that is not a biblical reason to be a part of this house. Okay? We are not into, in KMI, we want growth, but we, because this is such a, a core conviction, if you don't belong here, our job is to help you go find where you belong. We say to the pastors, you cannot pastor somebody else's kids. Now you got pastors all over the world today herniating themselves blowing out even into moral failure because they're exasperated because they're trying to pastor somebody else's kids in the spirit. So I'm trusting that those of you that are here as members, quote unquote, 
are here because you really have a conviction that the Holy Spirit placed you here whether or not you like everybody. Are you there? Okay. I talk about this. I was in the world. I was in Berserkly in the 60s on my way to the NFL, I thought. My roommate was your quarterback, Craig Morton. He and I were recruited together. I was a running back. I got injured. He didn't. The NFL finished up the job on him. <laughs> That's a whole story. <laughs> He'd shrunk two inches the last time I saw him, just from all 17 years of the NFL. But um, God wants people who are willing to give their whole life to him. I can tell you, and I don't mean to be ugly, Jan and I tell you this, I, I used to measure people whether or not I would have drank with them in the world. Because once, no, that's real time. Let's, let's get real. I believe church is the one place on this planet that we should really be able to talk real talk. If we can't talk real talk here, where are we going to do it? Okay? I am at war with religion. Religion is more dangerous to the church than all the heroin in the world. By the way, that's why the world is not trying to get in here because they think we live in unreality. We need to be the place where reality is the foundation of what we take out there into the real world. But being placed by God in a body does not mean you're going to like everybody and there's people you're going to be placed with that you wouldn't have drunk with in the world. And you know why? Because it takes all kinds of people ones that we're comfortable with, ones that we're not comfortable with, for God to deal with us to begin to make us capable of loving all people, not just the ones we feel compatible with. Can I get an amen? Well, I know it's true even if you're not sure. <laughs> Turn to uh, Psalms 89 with me, please. One of your core convictions is that you want to be a church that helps people discover their ministries and send them to work. Amen? That means that you believe that every one of you, in fact, has a ministry. How many of you know that the enemy does not want you to actually come to the place where that becomes real rather than just a hope? Many of you have had tough enough cards dealt to you already in life. You view yourself as a screw-up for Jesus. I've been pastoring 44 years I know something about where people are at, okay? Tell it like it is. 
Part of what some of you are going to have to overcome is those cards and negative self-image, saved though you may well be, tongue-talking though you may be, in the depth of your core, you really have a problem believing that Jesus really wants to do something powerful through you because you're too aware of your own weaknesses and you think you've done things already that have disqualified you from ever being able to be used in that way. Let's get real. You made a big mistake when you changed it to Antioch. Be careful what you pray for. Do you hear what I'm saying? I'm being silly. You didn't make a mistake, but you trapped yourself with your own words. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody besides me in here trapped yourself with a confession or trapped yourself with believing a prophecy or trapped yourself by making a confession and God said, you said what? You said what? You said what? You said what? Come to me. (laughs) Trapped by the Holy Ghost. The master of jujitsu. So, Psalm 89, 14. Righteousness and justice are the foundations of your throne. Steadfast love and faithfulness go before you. Blessed are the people who know the festival shout, who walk, O Lord, in the light of your face. Now, one of the things that happened to me is my senior year in high school, I began to intellectually awaken. Up to that point in time, it was how strong, how fast, how whatever. I was a U.S. decathlon champion under 20, tried out for the Olympics as a junior in high school. All-American boy type guy. It was all about what I could do athletically. But my senior year, something that God had put into me, just like he's put something in every one of you, it's like God, God's in, how many of you know God does not play fair? By the way, God does not a good speller. He does not know how to spell fair. Some of you say, man, this guy's been around. God is not interested in fair. He's interested in just, but he don't know how to play fair. And please never teach your children that life is fair because life is not fair because fair doesn't help God get what he wants to get out of you. In fact, Peter tells us, and I dare not get into all this, he said, it's wonderful for you to be godly, especially when you're being treated unfairly. You don't really get to the good stuff about what's in you, really in you, until you have a chance to be offended, abused, and misused. And when God allows that, 
and you're rebuking the devil, maybe you ought to think again. How many of you know God uses the devil to bring stuff up in his kids? And everybody said, oh me. Justice and righteousness. I was a white guy that could run with the brothers. In fact, I could outrun almost all the brothers. There's another layer up there, I, not quite as quick. I was a 4-3 and change, 40 guy, okay? So the other runners around me were in the sun longer than me. They're black. You get what I'm saying? Come on, lighten up. I'm trying to... <laughs> Now, being from the West Coast, I had no real idea what was going on in the South at all. It wasn't until my sophomore year when we played Duke and the Black Brothers could not stay in the same hotel that some of us woke up to another level of reality and we were not happy campers. You can do a lot of things to my personality, but don't lie to me. You wouldn't like me. If, you, if you'd saying one thing and doing another, I actually have a problem taking that personal. Okay? And I was so offended. I was offended to the bone when I encountered, in fact, one of the guys on the team used a very negative racial epithet to me as a white man. Some of you know what I'm saying. And I heard in that racism on a level that had never touched me before. And all of a sudden went, whoa, whoa. That, whatever that is, is ugly. And I don't like that. In fact, I could say I had an instantaneous war came up in me. So I got injured, tore a hamstring all up, and got very much involved very quickly in the civil rights movement, which made me wonder why everybody else was not doing that. How many of you know when you see something and everybody else doesn't see it, you're wondering, why doesn't everybody else see this? And it radicalized me quickly. I went, my mom and dad, conservative Republicans, I went to a Trotskyite Marxist in about nine months I got there. And I intellectually dove into geopolitics and dove into economics and dove into the way the world is managed. And I've stayed in that because that's my call in God, even though uh, I was, had no clue. Now, some of you need to hear this. There's things you're doing now that you don't understand why you're doing them. And you may be able doing them rear end backwards. You get what I'm saying? But that, those things are somehow related in a visceral way to your calling in God. 
See, if you want to know where you're going, look back to your early childhood days because there were things coming out of your being even then, distorted though they may have been, they were clues to your destiny in God. So I was born thinking I was a Blackfoot Indian. That's a fact. I never trusted the white man. I'm serious. You think I'm kidding. I wore a breech cloth. I was happy to build my canoes. I was baking you know, uh, bowls and stuff out of mud I got from creek beds where I lived up in Seattle. My mother came out in the yard and said, Dennis, you're going to have to go to school. You're going to have to cut your hair. And I said, Mom, you love me. Why would you make me go to school with the white man? <laughs> I'm serious. You <laughs> My mother was, uh, this is a funny story and it's true. So I'm in school, which not only was with a bunch of white people, but girls were there too. And that was just crazy. They didn't want to fight buffaloes and stuff that anybody that cared about anything would do. So this is in the first grade. So they're, they're, you're having to learn how to read in the first grade. Well, I did not want to communicate, so I didn't talk much. The Indians are quiet. This is funny, but it's true. So they called me down to the office, and they sent me home with a note for mom and dad. The note said, Dennis behaves, he's very quiet, but he doesn't read. He is refusing to learn how to read and we're concerned about his mental condition. I can't remember exactly how they put the mental condition. But it was clear they thought I was an idiot. Okay? So my mom, pretty sharp lady. This is God's truth. She reads the letter. I'm sure she talked to dad. Then she called me to herself and said, Dennis, if you learn to read, you can know more about your people. <laughs> Wow. (laughs) I went, hmm, reading good. (laughs) So about three months later, they called me back to the principal's office and sent another note home with me to my parents. This note said, we do not understand what has happened, but he's read 33 books in the last four months, and we think he's a genius. (laughs) That alone convinced me you cannot trust a white man because I knew that I could not go from an idiot to a genius in three months. That's a true story. But you know what that was? That was God in me and in Jan. She had it in another form. I am very comfortable with indigenous people groups. I'll put it that way. I just came back from Mexico City last week and 
dealing with the whole thing there. And I've been in Costa Rica. I've put years and years and years there in Africa. And I'm, I don't know what I are. Okay? I don't know what. i tell you what I really believe. Somebody said human. I think I'm human. Now, the nations are ethnic groups. God is in the ethnicity, even if there are people who are not. Revelation 22 says the nations need to be healed. This is after the great white throne judgment and all the rest of it. The new recreated earth is going to be inhabited by us in ethnic dimensions. Because God digs it. Okay. Now, I'm going somewhere quick with this because I'm eating up time. It is the will of God that his people be a foretaste in this dimension called time. We are supposed to be a foretaste of what eternity is going to look like. We are supposed to be the witness of justice and righteousness both individually and socially. How many of you know this is probably one of the last places on the planet the unsaved people would ever expect to find justice and righteousness? We are the, may I say, anally uptight, screwed up, religious, sexually inhibited, whatever. By the way, I have the 10th gift of the Holy Ghost. That's the ability to still think like a heathen. Please don't pray for me. I want to relate to the unsaved. Do you understand what I just said in nonsense language? See, what is it about Jesus that the sinners loved him and the religious community hated him? Something's wrong here. Okay, and I believe in righteousness and holiness and all that good stuff. Okay. Now you said Antioch. Antioch was the church for the Gentiles. We had a whole bunch of very, very uptight Jews who would not even eat with Gentiles, who shredded their brethren, Israel, when Jude and Israel separated, and those Brothers of theirs, theirs became Samaritans who they would not even talk to. That's why Jesus talking to that woman, which already was a problem, and he would talk to a woman in public, and that made it worse that she was a Samaritan, and it made it really bad that she was sexually committed to too many guys. And somehow he picks her life up spins her when she tries to get religious with him, which is fun to watch. 
That's why I say the Holy Ghost is the master of jujitsu. Whatever you get of him, he will bend where he wants it, and you'll end up talking about what you never thought you'd talk about. Now, how do we get that good at that so that our witness to the Gentile unsaved is something that we let God in us take whatever they give us and don't have a moralistic response when they are who they are, but somehow bend them into a conversation that reveals something going on in their heart of hearts that God wants to address. That's what an Antioch church is. It's a church where sinners and Gentiles and those previously rejected find home without moral compromise. Without moral compromise. If we, and by the way, I believe we are called to transcend the left-right political game. Now, if you get into economics in terms of creating capital, I'm going to be conservative, not because I'm conservative, but because I want capital that produces employment and government by nature, the very nature of government employment cannot create capital it is literally impossible multiplier effects notwithstanding for those of you that know what I just said okay but God is neither an American nor a conservative nor a liberal God is trying to get a conversation going in this country and every country between personal freedom and just community. And that's why the left and the right can't talk to each other because they don't even understand what the other one is after. Some of you understood what I just said. Now we are supposed to be the bridge we are supposed to be the bridge that elevates the conversation and elevates it by the actions of the way that we respond to one another and to the world. We are supposed to be able to show them what eternity looks like which is not about floating around like the Ku Klux Klan on white sheets, boring each other forever with our testimonies. I want to hear your testimony, but not forever. <laughs> Get over it. How many of you know work is not from the curse? God has always been working, always will be working. Eternity is not a retirement village in the sky. It's the creation of the destiny of nations. 
in eternity that magnifies the people of God to be able to manage with Jesus Christ the entire created order. And friends, it's a big universe. It's a big universe. If we're going to be in Antioch, we're going to have to magnify Jesus Christ with personal righteousness and justice and as a community export that and be trained how to speak into the nations with biblical truth, not left, right, white, black, Asian truth, but with biblical truth that recognizes differences but transcends them in the way that represents God, the creator of all the differences. Now that is an absurd task. I bet there's not 10 churches in the United States right now that are really equipping people to do it because we're still stuck either in our private religiosity or our brains have not been liberated from the philosophies of man, left or right, so as to be able to take the scripture and break it out in the anointing of the Holy Spirit in such a way that we resolve what they cannot resolve. Now that takes me to the last point. which in SLT, Strategic Life Training, which is trying to get a biblical worldview into your cranium. See, I was trained in worldview, self epistemologically, self-consciously trained. Those are big words. It means you know what you know and you know why you know it and you know why you're studying to know why you know it. Because you can't transform what you don't understand. And until you understand what other people believe and really understand it, you can't speak to it because you don't really understand it. So I went into a crisis. You think God, <laughs> if you're not aware of this, let me help you, especially the younger ones. God takes you from crisis to crisis. I, when I got saved, I came out of the crisis of being unsaved. And then I went into another crisis, which was, oh my God, I've got all this investment in the academic intellectual world. Pharaoh trained me in history and literature and poli sci and economics and sociology and Freud and Jung and blah, 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 blah. Oh my God, how am I going to get all this out of my brain? 
because I can't be an instrument of transformation until I'm transformed. Antioch is a church in transformation, bringing transformation to a world that desperately needs transformation and doesn't believe Jesus and all these crazy people following Jesus know jack squat about transformation. Because we are on our way to heaven. That's who we are. We don't care about the earth. This earth is not my home. I'm just a passing through. Wrong, 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 wrong. <laughs> what do we know about justice? We don't come to church to hear about justice. Are you beginning to... <laughs> Is it dropping on, do you see why I play Irishman first? Is it dropping on you yet that we are at the very beginning, we are at near ground zero of this massive task, which I've been working hard. I'm not a slacker, I'm doing the work. What about Bob? Over 40 years, Jan and I have essentially seen what I'm talking to you about right now. And we've worked a hernia to see change. But it's not really been until the last even decade that we're finding people around the world that are finally waking up and saying, wait a minute, honey, we shrunk the gospel. We shrunk the gospel. We've made it so much all about me, 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 me. I may be just some in some ways, although very few parents ever train their children how to justly solve problems. <sighs> that should have hurt. We very, very seldom train our children how to argue redemptively, even though once they get married, we know they're going to spend a bunch of time learning how not to argue redemptively and beating each other up. And we as parents never train them how to really communicate. They might not abuse alcohol or smoke dope, but they're unnecessarily crashing and banging in their personal relationships because we never trained them on a human being level how to resolve conflict redemptively, which says a ton about our inability to evangelize because you can't evangelize until you can redemptively handle different points of view without moralizing and flipping out.
Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? And we're going to disciple nations? Because that's what Jesus Christ, our master, I know I shouldn't bring Jesus into this, but <laughs> amen. When all else fails, maybe we should think about Jesus. Okay, I'm being silly. Jesus said, I want you to go out and make disciples of nations, teaching them to observe whatsoever things I taught in the Old Testament about taxation, about hygiene, about treaties. See, 99% of us spin through the Old Testament as an interesting book of compost waiting to get us to the New Testament where Jesus finally shows up. We don't understand that the Old Testament was God's gift to all the nations of the world to establish in a, in a legal sense what justiceness and righteousness looks like. And we don't read it that way because we ain't gonna do that. Politics is dirty. We're not gonna get involved in what's going on in the nations. We're called to go to eternity and hallelujah because if I get involved in all that stuff, I've gotta give up a flat brain and go to work and think and study. Come on, take me back to that old time religion where all I have to worry about is me. I'll close with this. You wouldn't have wanted to witness to me at Berkeley. Because funky as I was and smoking dope as I was, I at least understood this, that Dennis is the problem. How do I find anybody or anything big enough and righteous enough to pull me out of me? I'm the problem. And when I run into Christians, they tell me about everything Jesus did for them. He did this for me and this for me. And I went, oh no, I know that's good for you. But you're still trapped in me. If there is a God, he's big enough and strong enough and what he's into is worthy enough to finally suck me out of me and get me into something that transcends me. I want to ask you this. Is he pulling you out of you? Or is it still about me? Is it still about me? If you're going to become Antioch, it's going to be fast and pray because it's no longer about me. It's no longer about how groovy and wonderful it is here at Antioch. 
I've got men and women who finally get that Jesus is growing in them. They get it enough that I, I can now use them and send them out because they're free enough from me, the meanness, to begin to incorporate other people. I can use them. I've moved them from the A side of life, which is me, 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 to the B side of life, which is you, 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 you. Now, anybody in the military, anybody in athletics, anybody in a well-run corporation, anybody that has any strategicness in their brain knows that the training routine must be absolutely committed to the mission. You only train on what the mission demands. Everybody seems to know that except the church. Everybody seems to know that but us. Now the men and women that we're working with in KMI, they're all crazy like me. We're crazy in Europe. We're crazy around the world. We are asking God to deliver us from what we're doing so that we can actually align the churches that we are building so that the training in those churches is aligned with the mission of producing men and women who can change their neighborhoods, change their cities, and produce people who can change nations. You go back and read Revelation 2.26. It says, to those who have overcome, will I turn over the nations, even in the same way that Father turned the nations over to me. That's Jesus speaking. Where the Christians that could manage a city, they're not around much because we have not been training to bring righteousness and justice first in ourselves and then put it in the you dimension. So I, I, I say to you, <laughs> I say to you, welcome to the NFLs, what I say to you where everybody's fast, everybody's tough, and everybody hits and makes your teeth shake. I've been hit by some of those guys. Okay. You, by the sovereignty of God, have said our name has been changed and we believe God is in it. Jan and I believe that we are here if that be true to try and help you walk that out. That is gonna be a very interesting journey. 
I have to be really honest with you. We do not know what all that's going to look like. The last group that really tried this in the 20s and 30s went into the social gospel and left the scriptures behind. They got, listen, man, and I've been fighting a long, that's another crazy part of me you'll learn about. God took me into war. I've trained martial arts and taught it for 45 years. And I curse every Asian demon and I curse all the demons in the NFL too. If you heard what I just said. But I know something about war, fighting. I know there's going to be a lot of resistance in all of us. How do we get trained so that we maintain the righteousness, the ethics, and above all the scriptures? Because when you go into the world, there's demons out there. We have not fought yet in the church. They don't even think we're worth their time. Trust me. I know something about what I'm talking about. I've been with presidents and congresses and that stuff, and that's not whoop-de-doo. I'm just telling you, it's another game out there. And they play hardball. They play hardball. So, I feel a little like Patton right now. <laughs> I don't trying to do that, but. For those of you whose hearts are saying, I know I'm crazy, but I'm with you. I want to be a part of something that actually makes a difference for Jesus Christ in a broken, screwed up, really screwed up United States of America and world. I say, hey, man, let's do it.